0: Father, we honor the fact that you're incomparable. You are unbelievably uncomparable to anyone. We, we're trying to make up some words to describe your massivity. Well, you're just massive. And we have no idea how to describe you because you're too, you, you're too much. You're from everlasting to everlasting. The Bible says you are God how do you package god in a term and so we throw a bunch of them together to kind of make some sense of your beauty to make some sense of your grace to make some sense of your glory to make some sense of your holiness to make some sense of your mer- we trying to we, we we glad though that you revealed yourself in jesus christ who 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 came to show what you were like because man was fumbling with the might of being able to understand who you are. But I thank you that the word is the way in which we continue to come to a more rich and and, and intense understanding of who you are. God, let the words of my mouth, let the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, God, our strength, our redeemer, in whom we trust in Jesus' mighty name. Everybody Everybody agree with that said? Everybody agree with that said? Everybody agree with that said? Amen. Why don't we stand to our feet for the reading of the scriptures. We're in Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 14, reading from the ESV version of the Bible. When you get there, say amen. Amen. Neh- uh, Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 1 through 14. Now, when Semboleth heard that we were building the wall, he was angry and greatly enraged, and he jeered at the Jews. And he said in the presence of his brothers and of the army of Samaria, what are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they finish up in a day? Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish and the burnt ones at that? Tobiah the Ammonite was beside him, and he said, Yes, what, what they are building, if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone wall. Nehemiah then says, Hear, O God, for we are despised. Turn back their taunt on their heads and give them up to the plunder in the land where they are captives. Do not cover their guilt and let not their sin be blotted out from your sight, for they have provoked you to anger in the presence of the builders. So we built the wall, and all the wall was joined together to half its height. For the people had a mind to work. But when Sembalad and Tobiah, and the Arabs and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches were beginning to be closed, they were very angry. And they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and to cause confusion in it. And we prayed to our God and set God as a protection against them day and night. In Judah, it was said, the strength of those who bear the burdens is failing. There, there is too much rubble. By ourselves, we will not be able to rebuild the wall. And our enemy said they will not know or see till we come among them and kill them and stop the work. At that time, the Jews who lived near them came from all directions and said to us ten times, you must return to us. So in the lower parts of the space, behind the wall, in open places, I stationed people there by clans with their swords, their spears, and their bows. And I looked and arose and said to the nobles and to the officials and to the rest of the people, do not be afraid of them. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome, and fight for your brothers, fight for your sons, fight for your daughters, fight for your wives, And fight for your homes. You may be seated in God's presence. We are in our series on Nehemiah. We are going line upon line, precept upon precept to kind of maneuver through this book where we have titled the series Rebuilt to Build. Say, Rebuilt to Build. Yeah, so we we, we believe that, and the Bible teaches that um, God uses people that he rebuilds. That, that, that we can't want to do for God without being changed by God. And so as we've been going through this series, we've seen this reality, and we see here in, in a very, very different culture but parallel applications for us, where we began to see their desire to see the city rebuilt, um, the, to see the city rebuilt in order that they may be set up to show off God's glory in every single area of their life. And so they were excited about this. They got the loot for it. They got the help for it. They got the opportunity for it. it. God began opening doors, and God put his hand on them real heavy and real strong. And and, and so everybody was excited. Uh, uh, The Lord was stirring up their hearts, and and everything was going good. But, But what's interesting is as many times as God, we sense God's hand, we sense God's presence, and we sense his provision, many times we don't take into account that there is someone out there that doesn't like that. And and every time you are moving forward in what God has called you to do, there is going to be opposition. As a matter of fact, some of y'all became Christians, and you're going through more hell now than you were before you were a Christian. And and the issue is, is now you're a target. You're, You're a target of God's glory. Why? Because God has made your soul to be a reflection of his invisible attributes to the earth. And because your soul is to reflect that through being conformed to the image of Christ, the enemy now turns his target towards you. And and, and, and so now we see that they are going to be going through quite a bit of opposition. But, but, But the text is going to help us out with something because the question is not whether or not God's going to use us. The question is really not whether or not we're going to have opposition. The question is, is what in the world are you going to do when opposition arises? Your your maturity is exposed when when, when opposition is arise. Opposition doesn't make your character bad. It exposes whether or not you had character in the first place. And so right here in this passage... We're seeing Nehemiah with the people of Jerusalem who are a few and they're a remnant and they have committed themselves to the work of the Lord by returning out of captivity to jump in and say, God, we want to honor your name. God, we want to glorify your name. And so God begins to re-exalt them with the purpose of his glory, shining off them together, honoring his name as the people of God in the city of God. Amen, somebody. And so so it's interesting because it's easy— listen, it's easy um um to do well and to thrive when there is no opposition. As, 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 a, as a matter of fact, it's interesting to watch boxers and you know when they're training, they get up on a speed bag. I, I mean I always almost get punched in the face by the speed bag. But if you watch the speed bag, ta- Dude, doing all that kicking the box, you know, hitting the hitting the bag and you know, rolling uh, big old uh, truck tires all over and everything, you know, doing like this, you know, getting down, getting back. I ain't gonna do it right now, but get down, you know, because I can, you know what I'm saying, but I ain't gonna show y'all my stuff, my little workout stuff. But, but you get down, get back up and get all that and, and looking good. Then he get in the ring and start sparring, going like this. And dude got the pass, he go, kat, kat, kat. then he go under, kat, kat, kat. then he go, it looked good in the mug till he get in the ring. See, 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 your training is only as good as its ability to stand in opposition. Because, because the training room isn't the opposition. So if for a little while, I, I just want to talk to us about from the subject of how to be productive in the midst of opposition. How to be productive in the midst of opposition. Uh, if you're going to be productive in the midst of opposition, the first thing you must understand based on the text is opposition comes to comprehensively discourage kingdom productivity. Opposition comes to comprehensively, that means in all totality, to discourage kingdom productivity, i.e., God's work in your life. It says in chapter uh, chapter 4, verse 1, it says, now when Sam Ballad heard that we were building, he just heard. Now, see, that's funny than a mug to me. You know, he heard through the grapevine. You know, they didn't have text messaging. You know, they weren't posting stuff on Facebook and everything. You know, th- there had to be a run-of-the-mill of a lot of information through a lot of people, and it got back to you, man. And so you would think that, man, the glory of God going to be coming back. Stuff's going to be back. People going to be able to represent God's reign. Everything's going to be all right. But, but, but you got to recognize that when God does something in your life, everybody doesn't see it as a comprehensive benefit. And so here in the text he says, my man says, he said, and it says, he was very angry and enraged. That word angry means to be to set something afire. It, it, uh, that, that word is a powerful word. It, it, it has the idea of putting arousing a fire in a furnace. It, it, it means to have a strong feeling of displeasure with a focus of an action to follow. After that, it's not just anger that sits there. This is the type of anger that's so angry that it's motivated to do something about what it's angry about. In other words, the Bible will call it unjust or unrighteous anger. Uh, as a, the, 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 it's interesting because the root of this word literally points to the idea in this text. Uh, uh, is, is In here, is that God's work caused them to come to an emotional fire and the continuation and the prosperity of it was wood and oxygen for its continued burning. In other words, as God's work increased, their hater rate towards God's work increased. We're going to talk about hater rate in a minute because some of y'all got shadow haters, but we're talking about real hating, right? I, I got a This is all to my haters. You ain't got no haters. You don't got no haters so you glorify God. Then that's a hater. Right, but but if you glorify you, this, this is to my haters. This is to all of y'all hate. I hate. You know what I'm saying? I, man, I will throw something into another county. All right. You know what I'm saying? But 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 here in this text, haterade or hate comes from honoring Jesus. Oh, you you thought because you started honoring God that you, that that people weren't gonna hate on that? Oh my goodness. Matter of fact, this is intense hatred because these two words together, anger, this, this word here, um, for, uh, uh, for angry and greatly enraged. Greatly enraged means, I want to do, uh, anger means I'm, uh, I'm, I'm angry, I'm going to do something about it. Enraged means I'm vexed. Vexed meaning here that he's vexed about God being glorified. Can you imagine that? Someone's soul being vexed and frustrated because of the more honor God gets out of someone's life. And, 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 and so, and so that's what Symbolic is. It says they Jew, they jeered at us. That's what that, that's what Nehemiah said. He said they. Jeered. In other words, that means Jonah scoring, capping, whatever you call it here. When you talk about somebody real bad, and he got and he got a whole bunch of cats around him laughing at the whole routine, right? But listen to how deep it goes, because many times we point. Hate or opposition merely towards us. But as you go through the text and you look at the questions that he begins to ask, you see the richness of the fact that opposition is always connected to the glory of God. Look, 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 look right here in the text. It says, What are these feeble Jews doing? Will they restore it for themselves? Restore what? Restore. Jerusalem by rebuilding it so that God gets glory out of it all over again so 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 are concerned that God's gonna be glorified through the city being rebuilt why because if the city got rebuilt based on the background money was gonna lose some money he was gonna lose some loot because he benefited financially from Jerusalem being whack and so when God well God, God got his people on the come up, it was going to shut down some pocket ministry. So money wasn't going to get no loot no more. He wasn't going to get no cheddar no more. He wasn't going to get no change no more. I'm just trying to cover everybody because um, we got a lot of different people in here, all right? So money, basically, all right? Stash, yeah. Some of y'all got a stash. You know what I'm saying? My grandmama used to put it in her stocking and put the money under the mattress. Y'all don't know about that. Anyway, next. He says, will they sacrifice? Wow. Sacrifice. So he's he's concerned that they're gonna start sacrificing. Now, 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 from a background standpoint, exegetically here, um, sacrifice points to something interesting. A sacrifice here is a myriad of sacrifices that comes with restoring spiritual order to God's kingdom. However, here it's pointing to the dedication of when it was completed, they would have a big party and slay animals, honoring God with sacrifices. And, um, it's kind of like, you know, when the old church, you know, moving to a building, you know what I'm saying, and they had the, the you know, the, um, the, the joint when you come in, and had a celebration service, and the choir walks in with the robes on, and they're coming in like this, and the drummer hitting that same beat, you know what I'm saying, and they're coming down like this, and then they, the old women do the slide, and they had the white gloves on. It's that type of joint right there, you know what I'm saying? is that type of journey right there so so they, they 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 don't want them celebrating god's glory i wish i had some help they have a problem with God being celebrated, but not only that, Yom Kippur would not be able to happen, meaning Day of Atonement. In other words, their sins would not be dealt with. So he wants them to have a bad relationship with God. He wants them to have a bad relationship with their context. He wants them to not have anything, and ultimately, he wants them not to honor and glorify God. See, that is what true hate and opposition has to do with. It has the desire to see God get nothing. See, many of us think about exaltation as if it's about us. True biblical exaltation. When I say exaltation, that that means somebody like uh, being on the come up. But your being on the come up should always be attached with God coming up through you. I wish I had some help. Oh, man. Oh, God, help me. And so so they wouldn't be able to sacrifice, right? So, So there would be issues with sacrifice. But check it out. They go even further. They got gully necks. It says, "While they," he said, "When they finish up in a day? He says, will they revive the stones out of the heaps of rubbish? That means broken stones. And then here he says the burnt ones at that. Now, inter- now interestingly enough, remember a chapter before when they realized that they didn't have to use all the materials that they had. There the, some stones were broken and some stones were burnt. This very good figurative language and euphemisms here. Because burnt stones in that age was viewed as cursed and unusable. But, but he asked, are they able to revive those stones? In other words, when they went there and they see all those stones laying down, they see broken stones everywhere. And then they see stones that were burnt with fire. They're saying, are they going to use that material? But see, when someone is on haterade and opposition, they don't understand how God works. Because God likes to get broken stones. I don't know if I got any broken stones in here, but, 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 but he likes to get broken stones and burnt stones that have been rejected. Oh, I wish I had some help. And what God wants to do is he wants to rebuild, and sometimes he doesn't take all the scars off. He puts them back together showing where they had fallen apart. He could get, they could get some brick. They could get some straw. They could get some mud and do some new but, but, But many times in your life, God wants to use you out of your brokenness. God wants to use you out of the time you got burnt. That very thing that burnt you, that very person that burnt you, that very thing that broke down your life, God wants to use it to honor his name and revive it to be a testimony to his name. Who's broken in here? The Bible says uh, God is near to the brokenhearted and close to those who are crushed in spirit. Broken means to be maimed, to be devoid of anything that is valuable. But when God gets a hold of it and he starts picking up the pieces of these rocks and he begins molding them back together again and he mows it and he mows it and he mows it, it. then he takes the burnt one and he begins scrubbing it off and it's still a little singed, but it's still together. It's not broken. And he puts it back and uh, and it starts putting up, putting up, and all of a sudden you have a wall that was once broken, now put back together. God wants to do something in your life for his glory, to honor his name, to put you back. Somebody has burnt you. Somebody has written you off. But God is saying today I am going to revive you out of the rubble. I'm going to revive it. I'm going to revive and put it on display for my name's sake. But it can't happen until you submit to how hard it is to get put back together. Oh my God. See you can't, you can't, see you got a face being burnt. See some of us, God gonna put me. You gotta face the burn marks. That's what they had to do. They had to fit that and they were they're weeping remembering what Jerusalem looked like when it was being burnt but they're trying to wash it off and they're crying. <laughs> they're crying and they're putting them back together because they remember what happened to get it in that state. But even in the midst of that, God gives them strength to start putting the stuff back together again. I wish somebody had strength from God today through the gospel of Jesus Christ. I wish you would hold on to him, grab a hold of him, and let him revive the dead places in your life. He he wants to resurrect what you've forgotten. But he never does it without you dealing with those issues. And so that's what this whole thing is about. It, how, you going through your opposition is about God exposing burnt and broken places in your life so that you can face them. And that he and th- then the, the issue is God likes to recycle what you've forgotten. What in your life is God looking to recycle? I, I, I go down on the, um, on South, when I go down on, South, I love South Street. I, I, just, I love, I'm sorry, I love South Street. It's so a part of South Street that's real funny. I mean, you know, it's a lot of interesting things on South Street. A lot of interesting people on South Street. But there's this one spot right across, like, diagonally from Whole Foods where they've taken all of these different things that you would have been, I would have threw that stuff away. But they, they said, I can use this. And they put it together and created a wall. And now people are going over something that was trash. Now tourists taking pictures, look at this, look at it. And it's beautiful because now, because all of that trash coming together has been revived, now they put it on display, put it together and hold it up. And now people appreciate it when they would have thrown it away. That's what God wants to do in your life. God wants to reappreciate the value that he inherently has in you through Jesus. That's what he wants to do in your life. And, and this is not a man-centered sermon. This is a sermon focused on the glory of God and how he changes you so you can continue to glorify God. That, that, that's, 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 that's all it is. I, I got to move. I, I got to move. We got too much to cover. Then you got your man, Tobiah. I call him Igor, right? Call money Igor because he's all on the side of him. hey, hey. You know what else? One of them cats, you know what I'm saying? Money, money, money all beside him, you know what I'm saying? He said, and it says, Tobiah, the Ammonite, who was beside him, he said, yeah, another thing. <laughs> um, yes, what they are building, if a fox goes up on it, he will break down their stone. Their stone wall, know what he's doing? See, hate hates so much that even when what they oppose is getting done, instead of honoring the Lord, They try to come at the integrity of the work. He said it won't even stand. He said that can't. No, see, see, God is developing quality in our lives. When God rebuilds, he rebuilds quality stuff. My daddy always told me, son, pay another dollar for something that's better. He said, don't always buy something cheap. That's cheap. He said, but if you can get a deal on quality, get a deal on quality. The people here got a deal on quality. And God was building the quality, but the haters didn't like that God was doing it for them instead of them. And so what they wanted to do was they had to speak against the people because God wasn't doing it for them. I wish I had some help. Oh, 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 y'all quiet. Y'all got some people in your mind right now in Jesus' name. But Jesus said that this is what it would be like. John 15, 18. Guess what it said? He said, if they hated you, they hate me even more. Guess what hate is? Hate is the intense feeling of aversion or enmity, which could prompt a person to loathe someone or something or even seek revenge for no apparent reason. (laughs) Now, while all of this criticism is going on, you know, you got everybody has critics. You will have critics and you're going to have to learn how to function under being a critic. You can't get into the fetal position. When you, get, when you get critiqued, you're going to get critiqued. You're going to get critiqued, and you got to be able to do what he did next, which brings me to my next point, vent in prayer to God. Right. Look, look at Nehemiah. Now, this prayer is an interesting prayer. It's one of them rugged Davidic prayers. You know, you know sometimes, some of y'all, not. you know, the last two weeks of my time with God, I, I went to a time where I wasn't praying over the month. I was some days. I'm just being straight up. I wasn't praying like I should have been, and it was because I was coming to God not honest. I was coming to God, oh, God, my father, you know, Lord, I love you, and I bless your name. And I was doing all this stuff, and forgive me of my sins, Lord, bless my wife, bless my, you know, I was coming, and I just didn't feel like spending time with God. And then last week, God, last week or week before, the Holy Spirit said, be honest with me. He said, stop fronting. Stop fronting. Don't tell me how good my name is right now. Don't tell, I don't want to hear it. Tell me how you really feel. Tell tell me. How, give me the gully stuff. Give give me the stuff because sometimes opposition. You're not always all up on your on your. You know your yeah. Sometimes you just hurt. Sometimes you just hurt and you like I ain't got no good words for you today. I know you're holy and all that. And and I don't want to uh, dishonor you, God. But can I be honest? And this is what he says to him. He says, you know what, God? To be honest, I'm sick of these cats. Hear, oh God, for we are despised. Turn their top back on their own heads and give them up as plunder in the land of where they are captives. Do not even forgive them of their sins. Golly! Now, God ain't going to answer that prayer. He's not. He's not. He's not going to answer that prayer. But guess how good God is? He intimately listens to it. Isn't that interesting? These scholars, are. some of them are weird. Some of them, this is some type of prayer. I'm like, man, come down to planet Earth. The man's hurt. He's hurt. He's like, you know what, God? I'm kind of sick of people. I'm sick of them running their mouths. How about you shut their mouths? And let what happened to us happen to them. Don't forgive none of their sins. Let them all go to hell. That's what he was saying. That, hold on, it's in the text. He said, I, I, "He said I want to be right here watching. Ha! Look at them burn. Look at them." But, 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 but it's interesting that there are times appropriately where believers who have been persecuted by people. In the New Testament, and you don't have to turn in, in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 5 through about the 10th verse, and then 2 Peter chapter 2, there is a kind of like a pointer to people's destruction who oppose God. But, but it's interesting how Jesus Christ responded to opposition. Jesus, um, in 1 Peter chapter 2, verses 21 through the end of the chapter, you don't have to turn, I'll read. It says, for to this we have been called, because Christ also suffered for you. Leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. Now, people are like, I'm going into the prosperity and riches of Jesus Christ. I'm going to have me a house. I'm going to have me a Lexus. I'm going to be wearing a flock. Listen to what it says. He committed no sin, neither was deceit found in his mouth. When he was reviled, he did not revile in return. When suffered, he did not threaten, but continued in trusting himself to the one who judges justly. When you're opposed, sometimes you need to shut up. Sometimes you need to let God handle some stuff. See, see, many of y'all think y'all God. God says, if you would move out of the way, I could pull out my belt. But since you think you're better Behind whooping and me, do your thing, and it keeps not working. You just get angrier and, angrier and angrier, and it doesn't work. And you keep doing it, and then, and then you say, "I right, God, I'll move out the way." Jesus, Jesus, and it's interesting. Throughout his throughout uh, people doing this to Jesus, it's interesting. His character was intact. The text says in his humanity in Hebrews, he learned obedience. Through the things he suffered. Some of y'all need to learn obedience in your opposition. See, that's what it looks like to to thrive when you're getting opposed. It's it's, are you learning anything? Because some of y'all keep going through the same stuff over and over and over again. Why? Because God is saying to you, I am not skipping you. This is not no, no child left behind I'm listen, I'm going to kick you in your behind by keeping you in that place. Oh, I wish I had some help in the church. But but but, but that's what's beautiful cause some of y'all need to learn in opposition. That's why you keep repeating the grade. And you 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 you, you, you Thomas Height in the first grade spiritually. You're the, hey. Shaking the kids' hands and carrying on. You know what I'm saying? Sitting in the chair, the chair. I ain't talking about you, Thomas. I'm talking about the chair real small. You know what I'm saying? We gotta, we gotta, we gotta, we gotta grow. We gotta grow. And growing takes thriving in opposition. And there's power for that though. That's what's booming about. It. it ain't like God saying, come up with something. He gives you strength. I gotta move. Oh my God. I wish I had more time. Next point. Continue to be focused. I like that. Look at verse 6. So we built the wall. <laughs> That's beautiful. I like that. Sometimes you need to just ignore people. You know, num am I'm, I'm building, I'm building. You need to, listen, you need to ignore haters so, and keep doing what God called you to do. Can I say that again? You need to ignore opposition and keep doing what God told you to do. Whatever the last thing God revealed to you to do, don't try to come up with nothing new to do. Do what he told you to do. Don't let opposition change what God told you to do. That's what you need to be doing. Because there's no productivity that comes out of stuff that God hasn't called you to. And so, and so that's why you got to keep your hand on the wall. You can't shut down in the midst of opposition. So they kept building the wall. and it says, And all of the wall was joined together. I like that. To half its height. For the people had a mind to work. They was like, let's get it. Clack hal, Let's get in. Right? But you got to know when you decide to do that. And that brings me to my next point. Opposition doesn't end. It intensifies. <laughs> See, you thought because oh, I'm, I'm getting it in now, God. Look at. Oh, my goodness. Look right here in verse 7. It said, but when Sambalat and Tobiah and the Arabs, and the Ammonites and the Ashdodites heard that the repairing of the walls of Jerusalem was going forward and that the breaches, I like that, were being closed. They were very angry and they plotted together. People that don't even usually get together started meeting. Now you got to understand each one of these groups, one is a northern group, which is Balas group. You got the Ashdodites, you got them, you got one at the west, you got one at the east. You got one the, in other words, it, it, it was like Paul says he said, afflicted in every way, but not. Yeah. So you, listen, listen, uh, 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 oh my God, I'm getting oh my goodness, I feel you God. Um, it, it, see th- that word afflictions there means to be surrounded by crowds. Now now what's, now what's interesting is is God but, but Paul says but not. In other words, there is a limitation that God puts on, I wish I had some help. Even though God will allow you to be surrounded, there's a limitation of how touched he'll let you be by the affliction. If you put your hope in him. (laughs) If you put your hope in him, he'll do it. But it's going to intensify. And sometimes God will heat up the furnace ten times hotter on purpose. That's what he'll do. It intensifies. And so now they went from just talking smack to saying we're going to kill him. But it's interesting. What were, they, what were they bothered by? Because the breaches, say breaches. The breaches were being repaired that, 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 or being closed. That, 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 that word closed there, that, that, this, is an interesting, this rep- reparation word of repairing the walls, that word repair means to mend. It, it, the, the word is an interesting word. It, 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 the, the, the epistemology of the word goes back to a word that means healing. It it, it points to when someone gets a scratch or an abrasion on their skin. The the, the act of the skin being covered over with a sore and skin being regenerated. In other words, when they saw healing was taking place, they didn't like the healing that was taking place. So they turned up the heat because they hate when God heals things. And so here in this passage, we see. That God, by his grace, allows the intensification of the difficulty for his honor and his glory and his praise. And so this brings me to my last point. The Lord will recharge you when you are discouraged. (laughs) You, You know what? You know what? Listen to what happened to the people of God. Listen to how they felt. That they already was frustrated. He prayed a wild prayer. The Bible says in verse 8, he said, And we prayed to our God. And he says, And set up a guard as protection against them day and night. It says, and in Judah, the strength of those who bear burdens is failing. There is too much rubble, but by themselves, I'm sorry, by themselves, by ourselves, we are will not be able to rebuild. Why, why, what, what is this? This this that means that their strength began to fail. It wasn't that they were getting weak physically. They were getting sick and tired of the opposition. And they were becoming weakened. They were becoming very, very weakened in their heart. And so he prayed and set guards. Uh, um, he prayed and set guards. I, I, I love this, because in times of opposition, sometimes opposition gets tiring and emotionally draining. But I like what Nehemiah does near the end of this, in verse 14, He does it'd because many times what happens is, is opposition likes to eclipse the glory of God in your life so that you won't see Jesus at work. So, so what you have to do, what God has to do is God has to recharge you with himself. Now, now he recharged you with himself by not hooking you up to some system. You go, how like an adrenaline rush. He's, I, I like what Nehemiah says. After he got them, got them some spears and some swords and stuff, because there is a time to fight and confront the opposition. We'll talk about that in a second. But, but what he says is, he says, remember the Lord. Yeah. Oh, oh, everybody should have been standing up on that part. Yeah. He, oh, oh, my goodness. He said, remember the Lord. I'm going to say it again. Remember the Lord. I'm going to say it again. Yeah. Remember the Lord. Oh, see, okay. We got to talk about who he is. His name is Elohim. That means he's great and mighty in power. Yeah. He's Adonai, that means he's the sovereign Lord. He's Jehovah uh, uh, Yahweh, meaning he's the God of our divine salvation. He's Jehovah Makedeshim, which means thy Lord sanctified. Oh, y'all don't know who remembering the Lord is. Let me bring them back to your remembrance. Jehovah Shema, which means the Lord who is present in the midst of your circumstances. Y'all still not up on your feet yet for God. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. Of all your diseases. Jehovah Sikanu, which means the Lord your righteousness. Okay, nobody knows who he is yet. Let's keep going. He's Jehovah Jireh. He is our great provider. Y'all still not getting what it means to remember the Lord. He's Jehovah Nisi. He's the Lord your banner, which that means. He's Jehovah Shalom, but y'all still not getting it. That means that he begins comprehensive wholeness to your life he's jehovah Galmal, uh, which means the lord will bring recompense for everything in my life y'all still not there okay el Elyon means he's the god most high el roy means he the strong one who sees everything um he's el shaddai the god of the mountains and the great and mighty god el olam which means the everlasting god So when he tells you to remember the Lord, you got to put your mind on him. The Bible says in Isaiah, and he will keep them in perfect peace. Why? Whose mind is stayed where? On him. Listen, your circumstances can be a mess. But when your mind is on El Shaddai, it can change you in the midst of the circumstances. And so all I'm trying to tell you today is that God is bigger than your opposition. God is bigger than your haterade. God is bigger than your brokenness. God is bigger than your frustration. I wish I had some help. God is bigger than your past. God is bigger than your pain. God is bigger than your brokenness. God is bigger than your hurt. God is bigger than death. God is bigger than people who talked about you. God is bigger than the people who wrote you off. God is bigger than your loss. God is bigger than your sickness. God is bigger than you. What was interesting about this is that Jesus is the ultimate example of what it means to thrive in opposition. Yeah. Jesus was the most productive in his opposition. Okay, y'all don't, I mean, let me, let me help y'all. He was opposed from the beginning of his ministry. He was kicked out of his hometown forever. Interrogated by re- religious people. Stalked by his enemies. Attempts were made to entrap him. He had a mold in his inner circle. Abandoned by those closest to him. Framed for a crime he didn't commit. And the Bible says through all of that, he learned obedience. Through the things that he suffered in his humanity. This is what he did while he was in the midst of that. He taught people. He made disciples, he healed sicknesses, he prayed for people who hated him, he rebuked religious people, shed tears for those who wouldn't trust him, suffered homelessness, and then while doing all of that, had time to reconcile the world to himself on the cross. In the midst of his opposition, he picked up his cross on his back and dragged it to Algathas Hill. People spitting on him, but he kept moving. People were throwing rocks at him, but he kept moving. He fell down and got back up with the cross still on his back, but he was marching up the hill. He was getting hit with whips, but he kept on going for my nation. Then he put the wood down and he was laid on his back. People were talking about him. They nailed his wrist in the cross on this side, but he kept... Holding it up and holding it down in the midst of opposition. Another nail went in. Another nail went in. Both his feet. And they rose him up while he was suffocating. But he was still walking and thriving in the midst of opposition. Because while they were talking about him. While they were hating on him. He said, Father, forgive them. For they don't know what they're doing. And while he was yet on the cross. Bleeding and suffocating with his organs exposed, he still found time to make sure that he made God's name known on the cross. And so you today, you today, Jesus said, pick up your cross daily and follow him. That means you get your cross up, go in your drawer and get your cross. And you put that cross on your back and you let the alarm clock get you up uh, and mercy meet you there and you begin to walk and there'll be a dragging everywhere you go. Why? Because every day for you is a Gargothic walk. Every opportunity is a Gargothic walk and people that follow the trail throughout Philadelphia will see trails all through the city. But they, they're like, what is this? Let me follow what this is. What what in the world is this dragon right here? What in the world? And then they come up on it and it's the bottom of your wooden cross. And then you can turn around with the cross on your back and you can talk to them about the fact that the God who was opposed showed you how to walk in health and strength and restoration and being revived. And the miss opposition but you know what the story don't end there because if we're honest we were God's greatest opposers but in while we were yet sinners (laughs) while we were yet sinners Christ died for us taking on for us the full wrath of God on our behalf so maybe you're here today. You don't know Jesus. All of us are recovering opposers of God who know Jesus. This, this thing called the church is really a support group for those who opposed God all their lives, who were born the wrong way, but accepted the fact that God rebirthed you the right way. And we repented of our sin and put our faith in that one that dragged his cross up that hill. And took those nails. But the story didn't end there. Because on the third day, he got up with all power in his hands. So if you confess with your mouth, Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, it's not you might be, you shall be saved. And so I just pray today, as as I get out of here, that we would reflect Jesus Christ. That that we would reflect Jesus Christ in the midst of opposition. That we would, like Jesus, put our cross on our back. And that throughout our trail, there's a trail. And people are wondering what's being dragged. And they say, what's this? What's this? Then they catch up to you. And they get to the bottom of a rugged cross. Then they feel behind the other side of the cross and they touch you. And you could turn around to them and teach them how to carry a cross for themselves. Father. I pray in Jesus' mighty name that we would walk as people who who thrive in the midst of adversity, who thrive in the midst of difficulty. It's the most difficult, hard thing to do, but it's the most God-centered thing to do. And so, God, in Jesus' mighty name, I pray that you would give us strength to love people. Who hate us. Because the productivity many times, God, is not just what we're getting done for you esoterically. Sometimes the way we treat the people who oppose us is a part of the rebuilding. So God, in Jesus' mighty name, I pray you would give us wisdom and fortitude to honor you no matter what. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Amen.